You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. First and foremost, happy Mother's Day to all those of you who are listening that happen to be mothers. Probably more importantly, considering the demographics of this show, uh, please everybody remember it's Mother's Day. Wife, mom, grandma, whatever, make the phone call, do something fun, etc., etc. You know what to do. Just saying, if you happen to forget somehow, I got your back, man. Just, it's not too late. Just got to make it seem like a super big surprise. Like, you didn't even know I was looking all this time, did you? Oh, man. I had you fooled. Here's your giant cupcake from the grocery store. I don't know. Don't do that. I, You know, whatever. Maybe do that. I don't know. I would like that. I usually get a bag of beef jerky for literally every <laughs> every occasion. Christmas, birthday, Father's Day. I got three bags of beef jerky for Easter in my Easter basket because my wife knows me very well. So anyways, happy Mother's Day. As for this here podcast, though, we are going to be taking a break from our series, and I found something very exciting to talk about. And I I kind of been pushing this off because I'm like, I think everyone's tired of the draft, but it's not just let's talk about the draft, let's do a mock draft, whatever, 2020. I know a lot of people are rolling their eyes, but if you've got yourself to at least start this, hear me out for a minute. Really what I'm doing, although I am going to be talking about 2020 prospects to kind of prime that a little bit, what I really want to do is analyze the Packers roster as it is. And I know I'm probably not the only one to do this, but let me take a guess if you've listened to other podcasts or read articles about, you know, 2020, whatever. They went through and said, well, we're going to need a tackle. We're going to need some wide receivers. They went, you know, and they just kind of went through and did that whole. I want to literally go through each position because if you know me, you know, I'm way too cautious to be making declarations like that a year out. Well, we're definitely going to need a wide receiver. We're going to need a right tackle. We're going to need this. We're gonna... I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe Billy Turner is going to be our future tackle. Maybe our wide receivers are going to be studs. Um, I'm not going to assume we're not taking a quarterback. As I said, and you know, I don't want to give away too much, but one more bad year, and the whole conversation next year is going to be, are the Packers taking a quarterback? Because they should. As, as silly as it seems now, considering the contract and how it's broken down, I'm telling you, one more bad year with Packer fans really getting tired of Aaron Rodgers not playing well, and the whole conversation changes. One more bad year. I don't think that's going to happen. I really, 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 really don't want that to happen. I'm just letting you know that's what will happen. So anyways, that's going to be sort of my approach. And yes, because I am who I am, we're going to split this into two parts. I want this to be sort of a positional look, but not just a positional look as to what we are now, but a positional look as to um, 2020. In other words, I want to look at the running back position in 2020, given certain situations. As of right now, I feel like it's pretty strong, right? But you tweak a couple little things in there, and you can kind of see, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of a thin... Because really what I'm looking at is kind of early talent, right? I don't want to say first round, because just as much as this was a... This 2019 draft was very defensive heavy. 2020 is very, very offensive heavy. Very, very heavy. So saying I'm only going to look at first-round prospects is really going to cut short my ability to talk about the defense. But anyways, today we are going to go through each position, going to talk about um, 
you know, in what scenario is this like the thing we're going for? And some of them are going to be easy, like right tackle or whatever, tackle in general. You know, Balaga goes down or Bakhtiari goes down and Aaron Rodgers gets sacked four times a game and Packer fans are livid and it's just going to be the Packer, you know, it's just, it's a, done, it's a done deal. Everybody knows what they're doing because everybody's freaking out and angry and, you know, you guys abdicated your responsibility. I knew they should have, you know, whatever. You all know how this goes. So some of them are easy, some of them will be a little bit more complicated, but I also want to bring in the contracts and look at all that kind of stuff. Etc. Etc. Before we get there, however, make sure you at least click the link to go look at the t-shirts and the hoodies and whatnot, because it's pretty sweet. And also, just for my own sake, if it's not too weird, it would be kind of cool if you showed off the merch a little bit, because I know several people have ordered uh, the, uh, the shirts and whatnot, if you're in the Facebook group, just throw up a picture of it, man. Let the people see the glory. If you don't have Facebook but you have Twitter, go ahead and throw it up on there and, and you know, at me or whatever. I don't know how to say at me and not sound like a 15-year-old girl, but whatever. That's just Twitter in general. I can't talk about Twitter without feeling emasculated. Don't at me, bro. <laughs> it's so It's a weird world over there. Don't even at me. Like, straight up. Bippity-boppity, give me the zoppity, right? Because basically, I'm so woke, it's fire. What do you think about that? Oh, jeez. It's like it's like nails on a chalkboard just reading Twitter. Reading Twitter words. I'm sorry. I'm sure 90% of you talk that way. I just It just makes me sick to my stomach. Anyways, the shirts certainly are fire, young young kids. So check it out. The survey's still up, still live. So if you've got a minute to throw that in there. Eventually, I'll be turning that over to my overlords to give them a little bit more of a peek into my my podcast, but for my purposes, it is nice. I don't really care about your income. I do like your feedback, though. Be sure to get into the Facebook group. NFLBigBoard.com is the resource I'm going to be using as I go through this podcast, so feel free to follow along. Or if you're not sitting at a computer listening to this, which you're probably not, just head home and take a look, because it's pretty exciting stuff. Uh, Five-star iTunes review if you'd like to get involved in the uh, PFF giveaway, or if you just want to support the podcast, because that is the best way to do so. Otherwise, if you plan on buying your own, please use the link that I have provided in the description. If you have a question, please call or text 608 You should have it on speed dial by now. I shouldn't have to tell you this. Get in the game, folks. Anyways, I think that's it. I think we got it. We'll take a break, and we will come right back talking about the offense. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, let's start with the big one first. And I don't want anybody to get too carried away with this because I'm not getting too carried away with this. I am not advocating for replacing Aaron Rodgers. I'm going through the roster systematically, which means I am going to touch on every single position. And simply what I'm talking about is what is the scenario in which we look at this position. Considering we already talked about it this past year, quarterback, if I didn't mention that, and the Packers possibly taking a quarterback in the first round, which was probably nonsense to begin with, but the question was there. Beyond that, the quarterback play isn't exactly where we wanted it to be. Again, maybe it's not his fault, that's fine. But the the problem is, so two years ago, it's like, well, you know, he was hurt, so you can't really be too upset with him. And then this past year, well, you know, it was, you know, the McCarthy's fault and the wide receiver's fault, and he was injured. It's not his fault. Okay, that's fine. The problem is you play the excuses game only so long before people kind of go, you know what? I understand there's excuses. I kind of just don't care anymore. Everybody's got excuses. Execute. 
You know, Tom Brady doesn't do what he does with elite wide receivers. In fact, he's kind of well known for having garbage wide receivers a lot of the time. He makes it work. I hate to give him credit because I do tend to think he's a bit overrated, maybe a little underrated by us Packer fans, but a bit overrated by at least Patriots fans. But again, the point is one more down year and we got to at least talk about it. But anyways, I, I think the only way that this conversation is interesting, because obviously we could take a quarterback in the seventh round and it means absolutely nothing. It becomes interesting if things kind of go south. If they do, then the question becomes, do we go all in now? By all in, I just mean, you know, we're, we're treating this as though we really want to get the next guy. Not to start in 2020, but just to be up and ready. Because we're looking for the guy. Because Rodgers probably isn't going to play out the rest of his contract. Or do we kind of beat around the bush a little bit and wait, you know, third-ish round whatever to kind of play the maybe game, which I don't really understand, but that's sort of what some teams do, I guess. We're not going to push it, but we kind of want to try, so we'll kind of go second round. But either way, if uh, you turn your attention to NFLBigBoard.com, what you'll see is that there's basically three guys that are first-round talents, and we're talking early first round. Number one overall, Tua Tagovailoa. I would be a little bit surprised. I shouldn't say that. He's a quarterback, so as long as he's the top one, him going number one overall wouldn't be that surprising. But I have him number one overall. Number five overall is Justin Herbert, guy that was kind of in that range going into the 2019 draft before he decided to go back. And then at number 10, I have Jake Fromm. So again, the question is, if things go south, let's say 2019 looks exactly like 2018. Defense got better, but the offense just would not go. Let's say we're picking at... You know, we're, we're in the top 10. Are we talking about taking Tua or Justin or Jake? Because the reality of the situation is if we draft a guy in 2020, let's say it's Jake Fromm, we can have him sit for one year behind Aaron Rodgers, and we can move on from Aaron Rodgers in 2021 and save $10 million. That's not that far away. It's not ideal to have a $23 million dead cap hit, but it's not the end of the world, especially when you factor in depending on how horrific this has been, we're still going to get something for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it, you know, I, such a, I hate to even have this conversation, so I'm going to move on as quickly as I can. But you could say the best-case scenario would be 2019 is terrible. Then we get Jake Fromm or, or Herbert or Tua. Then 2020, Aaron Rodgers looks decent, and it becomes a similar situation where you have Aaron Rodgers going, no, I'd like to stay, but we got to see Jake Fromm, and he looks really good, and the Packers just say, no, sorry. Because then you take that 2020, you know, Aaron Rodgers looking like he's still got it. You trade him for like, what, two first round picks? Even at 37 years old, you're going to get a lot for him. I mean, if he, if people think he's still got it and he's got four years left, somebody can drop a four-year, five-year contract on him or something. I don't know. Again, this is not the scenario I want. I'm just asking the question, what happens? So anyways, Tua Tagovailoa, He's sort of the dual threat. He's six foot one, two eighteen, so he's not a monster. A lot of these quarterbacks are big, huge guys, but he's he's fast. Uh, 141.6 passer rating. Obviously, he was fantastic. Well, that was from a clean pocket, but still very good. Is way you know better than Jake Fromm, who I think was second. Basically, I think the way that this goes is if he can just perform on par with what he did last year and just kind of tear it up and, and rack up massive scores, which shouldn't be that hard to do considering his wide receiver group, which is just insane. Uh, he's got a real good shot of going number one. And really, it's kind of a stylistic thing as well. This could absolutely come down to, you know, 32 teams all have three different guys as their top quarterback. You know what I mean? 
they they split evenly a third a third a third and it just comes down to what are you looking for but but Tua's got the the arm talent he's also got the wheels and something else I think is interesting is I remember when we had Mike McCarthy and Ted Thompson it was clear the Packers liked mobile quarterbacks now we've got Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur. I don't really know what the priority is. The only real quarterback move that I'm aware of is is Brian Gutekunst going out and getting Deshaun Kaiser. Kaiser does not really have good ability uh, with his feet. He's just a, a big, giant guy with a rocket arm. But I really like him. Justin Herbert also, he's got some wheels. He's a dual threat guy. That's something else I started putting on NFL Big Board. Is your So you got the position, which is quarterback, and then you also have the type. So for quarterback, I just did dual and pro. In other words, are you a pro-style quarterback or a dual-threat quarterback? Justin Herbert and Tua are both dual-threat-type quarterbacks. Biggest difference, however, Justin Herbert is six foot six, 233 pounds. He looks like he's about 12 years old, but he is a big man. But the good thing about Tua and Justin Herbert, as opposed to some of the other guys, is I don't think their speed and what they do on their on their feet is really their primary asset. I think you look at guys like Demar Jackson, and what did everybody say? They loved him. But you never heard him say how much they loved his arm. I mean, you did. But when people got excited about him, it was the fact that he looked like Michael Vick when he was running around. I think with Tua and Justin, you're getting really, really good quarterbacks who happen to be great on their feet. Jake Fromm is going to be more of the traditional, you know, stick-in-the-mud type. Six foot two, 220 pounds, pretty traditional. You know, everything about him just screams kind of traditional quarterback. Now, just doing a very cursory look, I really like Tua. I kind of like... Justin, kind of so-so on Jake Fromm. Now, this is literally just watching one game apiece, but, you know, compare that to I watched uh, one game of Kyler Murray this past year. I watched more eventually, but the first time I watched a game of him, I thought he was garbage. Now, I did watch some other games and some other, obviously, you see the highlights through the years, and he, there was some impressive stuff, but I remember just watching him and thinking, this guy is trash. So, the fact that I watched one game apiece and I thought they were all decent is is fine. But from there... You've got sort of your second tier, and that is Jacob Eason out of Washington. He was the former Georgia quarterback, went over to Washington. Six foot six, 227 pounds. Again, another monster. Straight up stick in the mud pro style guy. KJ Costello out of Stanford. Six foot five, 215 pounds. And then Shea Patterson, Michigan Wolverine, six foot two, 205 pounds. All of those last three guys are pro style quarterbacks. Now, these are all just projections as of right now. Who knows where these guys are going to end up. Um, the other guys I currently have on the board, uh, next up are Mackenzie Milton out of UCF. I kind of liked him when I watched him. He's a dual-threat guy. I think I kind of like dual-threat quarterbacks, even though I fully acknowledge that they're. it's very hard to be a dual-threat quarterback and be successful in the NFL. I just think it's too much. I think it's it's really too hard to be able to do two jobs at once, to be able to process two things at once. Being a quarterback is really hard, but also segmenting a portion of your brain to try to see where and when and how to run, I think it's just, that's way too much. And I think some quarterbacks can do it successfully, but those are the guys who are basically just straight-up quarterbacks who occasionally look around and go, oh, wow, there's wide open space. I mean, even even Russell Wilson. I think that's Russell Wilson's. He, he, he can see an open area and just run. He's not thinking with half of his brain run 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 and the other half of his brain is pass 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 but anyways Jalen Hurts uh, quarterback out of Oklahoma why disparity on that some people think he's going to be a definite first rounder if, if for no other reason than he's going to Oklahoma and there's been two years in a row guys going number one overall also coming from Alabama so he's got you know he comes from a big program he was relatively successful he's going to Oklahoma it all is right there 
I've also heard people say this guy is going to go seventh round slash undrafted. So we'll see what happens. Steven Montez uh, out of Colorado, and then finally Nate Stanley out of Iowa. These are the guys I have currently. There's going to there's going to be more added, but so far that's what I've got. So it's interesting, and, and you know, obviously some of these guys might go back to school. And 2021 might be better anyways for the Packers if they decided to go quarterback. I mean, that's kind of the point where it gets to, even if things are going well, you got to think about it. Because in 2021, although I understand that part of the benefit is, you know, being able to play a guy on his rookie contract and then after the four years, so basically he sits for three years and then all of a sudden you got to pay this guy this massive contract. I mean, you got a little bit of time. You've got his fourth year and then his fifth year option. But I still think you don't want to wait too long. So 2021, you're kind of hanging in there anyways. But either way, it's an interesting topic that hopefully none of us will be talking about uh, by the end of this season. Anyways, moving on to something that everybody kind of agrees is probably going to be a big deal is offensive tackle. And again, lots of really good options. As of right now, I have five guys at offensive tackle that are first-round prospects. Two of them are top 10. The first is Andrew Thomas, offensive tackle, left tackle for Georgia. The guy's an absolute monster. He's uh, six foot five, 320 pounds. This is one of those guys you, you almost feel like you're overdrafting him to just draft him and to put him at right tackle because he's just somebody that really wants a left tackle is just going to be mad that we took him and put him at right tackle. But you're still going to do it. Uh, Walker Little out of Stanford. I've got him right now at number eight overall, six foot seven, 313 pounds. Probably not going to have a big issue with him having short arms, I'm guessing. If this guy's arms are too short at six foot seven, he's going to walk around looking like an alligator. Uh, at number 22 overall, I've got Trey Smith out of Tennessee, six foot six, 337 pounds. After that, Trey Adams. Trey Adams has been trying to come out the last two years, but uh, two years ago he got hurt, decided to go back to school. Last year got hurt again, decided to go back to school. But I really like Trey Adams. Part of the problem, I think, at this point is going to be his age and his obviously his injury history. But even with that, um, I think he's got a real good shot of going in the first round. But he could fall. So Trey could be one of those guys that um, that ends up being, you know, one of those top 15, top 12, top 10 talents that makes it to the Packers because of those injury concerns, because of his, what is his age? I should look before I pop off at the mouth too much about it, what his age is. By the way, six foot eight, 316 pounds. Oh, apparently the guy's only 22. So how in the world? I don't know, but that's that's the word on the street. 22.2 years old. So that's pretty phenomenal. The other guy I have in the first round at 27 overall, one of my favorites so far to say, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but it's fun to say, is Mackie Becton. I really hope that's how you say his name, and I hope the Packers draft him, because I really enjoy saying Mackie Becton, and I don't know why. But this this uh, monstrosity of a human being is six foot seven, 355 pounds. So this is going to be one of those things where if this if these guys at six foot seven, Trey Adams at six foot eight, uh, you know, three hundred and fifty plus pounds for you know Mackie Becton, that is, if this guy can even move his feet at all, he's going to be a first round draft pick. I mean, and, unless they go to the combine and they're just ridiculously slow, and it's like, all right, well, you're you're too big and slow and and fat to play the position, so it's not going to work. But I mean, if they can move like a normal tackle at six seven three fifty five or six foot eight three thirty five, whatever, man, oh man, I mean, just monstrous, absolutely monstrous human beings. Uh, the next guy on here, and there is a pretty big drop. It goes from twenty seven to forty six. But Calvin Throckmorton. Uh, he is a right tackle out of Oregon. I just bring him up because he's the first one that I know of that's a right tackle. I don't have Trey Smith for whatever reason. 
thought I updated all this, but I've got, so again, I've got my position here, uh, offensive tackle, and then type I have left tackle or right tackle. Just something I wanted to add. But again, if the Packers are all in on tackle, they've got a lot of options. And I, I'm just excited because, you know, forget the whole quarterback thing. I, I Hopefully you're not all upset about it. I just, again, I have to go through each position. I'm psycho that way. Forget I said it. I apologize, okay? Let's talk about how exciting this draft is because it's one of those things where, okay, we need a tackle, we need a wide receiver, whatever. Somebody's going to fall, and it's going to be somebody we want. It's kind of similar to this last year's draft where it's like, well, we kind of want some, some defensive players. Well, that's great because there's nothing but defensive players. So... If these guys don't fall, let's say we're picking at 32, just throwing a random number out there, and all of these guys are gone, well, now what do we do? Well, if by chance, again, just throwing it out there, the Packers' interior offensive line still isn't very good, or maybe it's getting kind of close, but, you know, the guys that we got basically are backups. There is one guy still hanging out there that was in the draft this year that didn't quite declare, and it's Mr. Tyler Biotish. Offensive center out of Wisconsin. Now, we already have a center. I fully acknowledge that. But if the guy can play guard, that's also an option. You don't care about that? You want to hear about skill position? That sounds good. As soon as my phone's done buzzing at me, we're going to take a little break. And we're going to talk about some of these skill position folks. Because that's where it gets a little bit exciting. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So to start off with, because I want to save the best for last, we did invest in Jay Sternberger. Hopefully that works out. If it doesn't, though, we're in a bit of a bind. And the bind is essentially this. The older veteran guys that we've got, we really shouldn't be paying. I'm thinking Jimmy Graham is gone. Mercedes Lewis is probably gone. Leaving us us with Jace, who we've just decided, based on this hypothetical, is not very good or didn't pan out. And we really need to get a tight end. Well, we've got at least two options. The supposedly very early option is another name that maybe you remember from this past draft that decided to go back to school, and that's Albert Ogwegbunam also known as Albert O.K. At least I heard him refer to that once, and I will be calling him that from now on because it's easier to say O.K. than Okwegbunam. But I currently have him number 16 overall as a tight end. Now, I still tend to think that the Packers do not like drafting tight ends early. Maybe they would have done it had the chips fallen a little differently. Maybe if Hawkinson fell, we would have taken Hawkinson. It does seem unlikely, but again, looking at positions of need... This is another guy that if we're at 32, we've got five tackles. Okay, none of them fell. What about this tight end? Six foot five, 255 pounds of raw muscle. Last year, he had 43 catches for 466 yards and six touchdowns over nine games because he did have a bit of an injury issue. 
It was also probably pretty smart of him to do that considering the amount of talent there was at tight end in this class. So the guy was injured. You figure you go back, come in this class, there's not nearly as many good tight ends. You're, you're clearly the top tight end in the class. It's going to make you go a little bit higher. And again, the cool thing is we're talking about picking at 32. If we're picking at 10 again, do I want Albert okay? No. If I'm picking at 32 and he's like a top 10, top 15 prospect, yeah, let's let's go ahead and do that. Another guy that's seen as sort of a second rounder is Jake Breland out of Oregon. Man, Oregon's got a lot of, that's the third guy I listed that was the right tackle, the quarterback, and now the tight end, Jake Breland. I've only got three others, so I might as well run through them at 70 overall, so kind of a second, third round-ish. Uh, Grant Calcaterra, uh, I want to say Calcaterra, but it's Calcaterra, tight end out of Oklahoma. Kobe Parkinson, tight end out of Stanford. Man, there's a lot of duplicates. So you got, <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the same tight ends are going as the same quarterback. So there's the Oregon quarterback, the Oklahoma quarterback, and now Stanford with K.J. Costello, tight end Kobe Parkinson. Finally, Mr. Mitchell Wilcox at 145 uh, out of South Florida. So all of them are pretty high with the exception of Mitchell Wilcox. Uh, Kobe Parkinson is 73rd, Grant Calcaterra is 70th, and Jake Breland is 48th. So all of them potential second or third rounders. And I suppose even if uh, Jay Sternberger isn't that bad, I don't know that third, fourth, fifth round is completely out of the question for getting another tight end because, again, we're probably going to be moving on with at least one, if not both, of our veteran tight ends. And having essentially just one is not the greatest thing. So still, be sure to keep these guys on your radar. I'm not so sure about Ogwegbanam. Hopefully we don't have to worry about him because Jay Sternberger's a stud. Looking at another position now is running back. And I, I know... There's a lot of people that are probably a little bit more excited about the, this position uh, than I am. We've basically got three guys. Aaron Jones is quite good. Aaron Jones has had injuries the last two years. Jamal Williams is okay, but I think Jamal Williams is a pretty classic Green Bay Packers back who's going to get you your three or four yards, whatever. Pretty replaceable. I really, really like him as a person. I like him as a locker room guy, but if I'm being honest about him as a running back... I mean, come on. Nobody is going to not draft a running back because they have Jamal Williams on their team. And as far as Dexter goes, I think Jamal is going to be a better running back than Dexter. I don't know. I want to spend a little bit more time looking into that. But I was not nearly as impressed with Dexter watching him run as I was with Jamal when he was coming out of college. Now, it's a different running scheme, so who knows? Maybe Aaron Jones takes a step back and some of these other guys are, are a better fit. Maybe Dexter Williams is the top guy because he was picked specifically for this scheme. I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I tend to think Aaron Jones is the top guy. And similar to the question of quarterback, if Aaron Jones gets injured for the third year in a row, how seriously do you look at running back? Now, the interesting thing here is there's four guys I have in the top 32. Again, very offensive heavy. Five tackles. Um, a center, a tight end, and four running backs. Now, I don't know if the Packers would ever really consider taking a running back very high, but again, if you're picking at the end of the first, it's a little bit easier to convince yourself to take a quote-unquote first-round running back as opposed to if you're picking in the top 10. At that point, I just don't know if the value exists. At the back of the first, we're talking about essentially a second-round pick. I think you can splurge a little bit if, if a good enough prospect falls. So number one on the list currently, even though he's not super talked about by certain, it's kind of weird. Some places they talk about the top running backs, his name doesn't even come up. Other places it's like, yeah, he's the clear number one, but it's Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin. I don't know if it's just people who are afraid that he's a Wisconsin back and there's sort of a negative connotation because of how good the running or the offensive lines are. I don't know. 
but obviously it would be kind of cool if Jonathan Taylor ended up getting picked up by the Packers. 5'11", 219 pounds. I haven't really been able to dig into running backs. It's one of my favorite positions to watch because I feel like I at least somewhat know what I'm talking about. As opposed to some of these others that it's just really hard, I feel like, to to scout. But um, So Jonathan Taylor is number one at uh, 12 overall. At 15 overall, somebody everybody's talking about, and I would say probably more people would call him number one than Jonathan Taylor, even though my big board doesn't reflect that. But it's Travis Etienne out of Clemson. ETN, Etienne, whatever. Five foot ten, two hundred pounds. And just just to be clear, according to the scouts that are kind of talking right now, what they're saying is Josh Jacobs is sort of compared to this class. If he were to come out in this year, Josh Jacobs would have been a second round guy, and it wouldn't have even been close. So he would have been after the four guys that I'm going to list would have been Josh Jacobs probably. Again, just to give you an idea of how good this running back class is, and we'll see what happens. Right, things can change over time. Really good prospects suddenly are not really good anymore. Guys nobody's talking about are suddenly first-round drive prospects. Um, Another thing to clarify is um, some people believe that Jonathan Taylor is a better college back, but in the pros, uh, ETN, Etienne, whatever, is going to be a better pro back. So either way, going to be really fun guys to watch, and both of them are probably going to be first-round draft picks pending any injuries, which is always kind of fun to see a a Badgers back get back into the NFL. Very few of them ever end end up panning out, but it's kind of cool to see. Uh, after that, I got J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State, another school that just seems to be cranking those guys out. Five foot ten, two hundred seventeen pounds. I mean, that's got Brian Gutekunst written all over it, man. If he if he falls to to pick thirty two, I just don't know how we don't take J.K. Dobbins. We got to see what his RAS is, obviously. See what his athleticism looks like. But five ten, two seventeen. I mean, he could bulk up a little bit. If he was five ten, two twenty five, I I think he's I think it's a lock. He will not make it past the Packers. 510 217 though. I don't know. That's pretty tempting. And then lastly out of Alabama, Najee Harris, 6 foot 2, 227. So he's got the weight right, but he's he's a little tall. He's kind of got that Jamal Williams thing going on. I don't know. That that might be a bit of a turnoff for Mr. Uh, Gutekunst. But uh, PFF had him as the leading uh SEC running back in missed tackles force. So despite being super big, he's also pretty elusive. Um I I think PFF graded him as elite over this past year. So, you know, pretty typical Alabama running back, I guess. But anyways, um, finally, and this we're probably going to be done with this relatively soon. I was trying to speed up because I didn't want to talk too in-depth. I was going on and on about quarterbacks, and now we're just about done. Whatever, that's fine. It's Mother's Day. i got to get back upstairs. But I have officially five wide receivers in the first round. However, there are several that are also close. I've got one at 34 overall, one at 37. So we could we'll, we'll just lump them in. But number one on this list and number two overall is Mr. Jerry Judy. Now, I'm not super high on Jerry Judy. In fact, I would say I'm almost a little bit lower only because, as I've said, this last year it didn't count because there were no real premier wide receivers. Actually, that's not true. Hollywood Brown was the guy. So for three years in a row, there has been a guy that is like everybody at this time. You go back on this date last year. People are talking about Hollywood Brown like he is the greatest. He is this fast, elusive, never seen anything like it. He's a freak, right? Easily top 15 first round guy. Two years ago, it was Calvin Ridley. Never seen anything like him in your life. He is so good. It's crazy. Three years ago, it was Christian Kirk. Maybe I got those two mixed up. I don't know. But it was just, it was, maybe those guys, were they the same year? Whatever. Bottom line is, I keep hearing it, and then it just doesn't materialize. I've watched Jerry Judy. He is very fast. He does seem to have good hands, and he's a lot more powerful. 
um, than you would expect as, as skinny as he looks. But with that said, him being number two on this board seems silly. I wouldn't be super shocked if he's a first-round pick, but I just, I don't know, I'm hesitant on that one. I, you know, when, when I watch Jerry Judy film, I, I, there are other Alabama wide receivers that I think could be better than him. And we'll, we'll mention who I'm talking about in a second. But clearly, as far as athleticism goes, Jerry Judy is an absolute freak. And everybody's going to see that and know that and love that. At the end of the day, though, as a wide receiver, I don't know. We'll see. But he is the one everybody's talking about. Well, one of two that everybody's talking about. Six foot one, 192. Again, kind of a smaller build. Plays a lot of the, out of the slot. Does do some stuff outside. But he's, he, he plays pretty big. The other guy that everybody's talking about, six foot two, 220 pounds, bigger build is LaVisca Chenault. Now, he's used in a lot of different ways, including as an H-back, like basically as a tight end. So he lines up as a wildcat. He runs the ball a lot. He's used as a tight end, as like a lead blocker. He's used out wide as a wide receiver. He's used uh, in a slot. So he's a pretty big guy. Another one that I'm going to have to watch a few more games because I, I haven't really seen anything kind of jump out at me as far as being super elite. I mean, as far as, you know, the quarterback throwing up 50-50 balls, he's definitely coming down with it. But it, it, it's kind of hard when you don't have the all-22. That's why I like watching running backs and linebackers and pass rushers, because it's all on tape. The wide receiver, you see him run for a second, and then it's gone, and then you see him catch the ball a little bit later. It's just, it's hard to watch. I can't see the route he's running because he's off off the, the video screen. But again, to, to keep this all in context now, we're picking at 32, and here's a huge list. So we've got all these offensive tackles, and we want them. We've got a few running backs. We want them. We, you know, probably some defensive players as well, which we'll talk about tomorrow or maybe tomorrow. I don't know. But then we've got all these wide receivers. And at number three, number 19 overall is T. Higgins, wide receiver out of Clemson. Higgins is another big dude, six foot four, 210 pounds, 59 catches, 936 yards, 12 touchdowns. The dude's a monster. And he, he's going to be, I, th- I think he's like the guy in Clemson, so he's definitely going to stand out. You know, Jerry Judy is going to be sharing a lot of stuff, but you're going to be hearing about T. Higgins a lot. And probably just for that reason, you're going to hear his name exponentially more as the season goes on because he's going to have all the stats, he's going to have all the numbers, whereas Jerry Judy and, and the other guy that will be mentioned is are, are going to be splitting. But to give you an idea of how high he is, and, and that's that's what's kind of crazy about this. Everybody knows certain guys, but it's it's still just wide, open in the, uh, wide up in the air. So Matt Miller did a, a recent mock draft, and he had T. Higgins going number 10 overall to the New York Giants. So, again, it's just wide open. I mean, it could be 10th overall, could be top 10, could be in the 20s. Who knows? Because it's a similar situation where everybody was talking about how many guys that there's no way they fall out of the top 10, and there was a list of about 15 guys. It's the same thing here. You've got four or five tackles that everyone's going to be talking about is a a lock top 10 you're going to have three or more quarterbacks that are a lock top 10 you're going to have three or four wide receivers it's just it's on and on and on and on and on and of course that works to our benefit when you have all these elite studs that's a great year to go out and win a super bowl because one of them's probably going to fall to you and if they don't you move up a little bit and grab them next up a guy that i you know again i haven't watched a lot but i i was it's one of those things you just you got a few minutes you turn it on real quick and it's like i like this guy but it's at 25 overall, Mr. C.D. Lamb, wide receiver out of Oklahoma. Going to be a fun offense, as always, to watch. Six foot two, 189. Again, pretty small guy, especially at six foot two. But he's got a lot of speed. Uh, you know, quick, elusive kind of guy. Probably going to get tons of stats because it's you know Oklahoma's offense. Uh, somewhat of a lesser-known guy, Jalen Rager, 5'11", 195. Again, another kind of smaller guy. So last year's draft was all six foot four, 205,000-ish pounds. 
these guys, there are a couple big guys, but for the most part, it's a little smaller. But uh, Jalen Rager, TCU Horn Frogs, uh, Pro Football Focus listed uh, Jalen as the top 2020 draft prospect to watch. 72 receptions, 1,061 yards, nine touchdowns. And that's, uh, as it's quoted here, despite horrific quarterback play. Uh, he's got elite speed. He had 27 catches that are uh, 15 or more yards. Um, 11 broken tackles on 71 catches, which is just crazy as far as his elusiveness goes. Uh, he's 15 of 31 on contested catches, so he's a go-up-and-get-it guy despite not having great speed. So definitely want to check this guy out because he's he, he just plays mean, man. He's just a physical dude. So that's all that are technically in the top 32. I had him at 31, but there's also Colin Johnson out of Texas. I remember him from last year. He's a a big dude that I was really excited about, but he decided to go back to school. Six foot six, two hundred and twenty pounds. Um, I don't know. It, the first thing that comes to mind now that I don't really like, and I, I don't want to pigeonhole him, but that automatically makes me think of JJ Arcega Whiteside. However, as of right now, that's not expected to happen. That is to say, he's not going to be a second round prospect that falls into the third or wherever he ended up going. Uh, Todd McShay of ESPN actually has four receivers in his mock draft going in the top ten. He had Jerry Judy go number two, Oklahoma CeeDee Lamb going number seven, LaVisca Chenault going eight, and Colin Johnson going number nine overall. Again, just to give you an idea of how crazy these wide receivers are in this class. Um, And then at number 37 overall, Henry Ruggs is the guy out of Alabama. He doesn't have the athleticism that Jerry Judy does, but I really think there's a chance that he could be a better wide receiver. Again, I have not sat and watched a ton of film. Don't take this as an authoritative thing to say. But he just seems to be like a clean, good route runner, good hands. He gets the separation. I mean, I, I, I love watching Jerry Judy run a seam route just blowing past a linebacker as much as anybody. But at the end of the day, I just think Ruggs is kind of, I don't know. I, I just, I feel comfortable with Ruggs. I don't know what it is. But we'll see. Alabama's just going to be unstoppable as always because they've got two first-round uh, wide receivers on their team, a first-round running back, and a maybe number one overall uh, quarterback. Not to mention, I, I should just look, just for fun real quick. So Alabama players, number one overall, Tua Tagovailoa, number two, Jerry Judy, number 13, Raekwon Davis, who I like a lot, number 23, linebacker Dylan Moses, number 28, safety, Xavier McKinney, number 32, Najee Harris, number 37, Henry Ruggs, number 39, Trayvon Diggs at cornerback, at 40, Anthony Jennings, 43, Terrell Lewis, uh, 53, Shaheem Carter. My goodness. 11 guys in the first two rounds, five of which in the first round. That's a lot of Alabama talent, especially when the first two are Alabama players. So anyways, again, I, I, I really, even if we just boiled it down, as I said at the beginning of the day, if we just boiled it down to, well, tackle and wide receiver, that's perfect because that's all you need because you're probably going to get one of them. I suppose it's possible that they're all gone by the time the Packers pick, but that's still, we're talking, what, 10 players, meaning there's a lot of quality talent elsewhere that's falling to you. So anyways, I've been talking about for a long time, this is a very offensive, uh, heavy draft coming up. And I think that's really going to work to our advantage. And the fact that there's a lot of good quarterbacks is really going to help us a lot too, because as much as teams are really going to like the wide receivers and the running backs and the tackles, quarterback needy teams are taking quarterbacks and they're going to go early. And if we can get three, four, maybe even five quarterbacks to go in the first round before the Packers pick, We've still got five tackles, five wide receivers, and five running backs, which is 15 players just sitting there. 
That doesn't include any of the defensive talent, which is there if we need it, including linebackers. Again, we'll talk about defense later, but guys like Raekwon, who I just absolutely love, linebackers, cornerbacks, safeties if need be, whatever. So I'm already feeling pretty comfortable about it. I'm pretty excited about it. Just a little bit of a primer for anybody that's a a draftaholic. For those of you that aren't, I appreciate you being a good sport and sticking around. Hopefully you do it again with me tomorrow. Anyways, I'm going to get back to it again. Have yourselves a fantastic Mother's Day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.